On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Trevor Jay, who is currently a beer rep for Blind Man Brewing. We chat about his journey with craft beer, his love for music, and the experiences from his weight loss leading to people treating him differently. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to journey number 16. And today we have Trevor Jay on the podcast. And Trevor is a beer rep for Blind Man Brewing. And um, we've actually known each other for a couple of years now, uh, mostly professionally. And I'm really excited for this conversation. We were chatting just before to, um, you know, kind of go into a different, you know, different realm and go a little bit deeper and, you know, ask some questions that I don't know the answer to. So um, I guess, first of all, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a good day so far. Nice. Sun's shining. Can't complain. Awesome. And I guess just to start off, like, um, can you kind of just give us some context on like who you are, right? Of like, where'd you grow up? You know, what kind of things did you do? Did you go to school? You know, what kind of things have you done for work? You know, just kind of whatever comes to mind, like what kind of kid you were, anything like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's, I could talk an hour about just to solve those questions. Um, I'm, I live in Calgary now, as you know, but I was born and raised, uh, in Lacombe, little, uh, little town about 10,000 people uh, just north of Red Deer. Uh, I was born and raised there uh, and then I moved to Red Deer when I was 20 or 21. Uh, I played music. I played all the sports as a kid. I sucked at all of them um, but they were super fun. I think I just wanted to hang out more than anything else. Uh, and then uh, I kind of picked up a guitar and realized uh, sports are not my thing and music is and and I've been like dabbling with piano and, and guitar and stuff most of my life growing up and then bought one and played in shitty punk bands and in, uh, in junior high and high school and then played in uh, a somewhat serious band uh, while graduating high school and a couple years after um, and put out an album and toured a tiny little bit and then uh, moved to Red Deer to get out of Lacombe because it's most people go for right from Lacombe to Edmonton and Calgary, or they stay there forever. But some people uh, do the, the the Red Deer stop before they really leave. Um, so I went as far as Red Deer, um, played music for a while, and then was in a band I thought was going to maybe go somewhere and then broke up like pretty quickly. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm sick of relying on other people for this kind of shit. So I, I actually got into uh, stand-up comedy for a brief time uh, cool. and some comedy writing and like a tiny bit of improv uh, and then I decided I uh, should move to Toronto to try and do something about that. So I did that when I was 23, I think. Um, lived in Toronto for a few years. Well, like three years. Um, did absolutely nothing related to comedy when I was there. Just kind of <laughs> had, had some savings from a casino job I had and uh, just hung out for like three years and had fun, basically. And then realized that I was never going to pay bills with comedy and found another uh, passion, I guess, in craft beer and heard about the program at Olds College and and applied to that like the day before the deadline, not thinking I would get in. Um, and they liked my cover letter, I guess, because I had nothing on the, the quote unquote resume or whatever. Um, so yeah, got in, moved home, uh, did two years of Olds, the brewmaster program, decided partway through I didn't want to be a brewer, um, but wanted to stay in the industry, um, but finished out the program after debating dropping out like a loser and then uh, didn't be a loser, I finished and then uh, had an unreal opportunity to move to Calgary and work for my hometown brewery. 
which all bias aside before I was an employee has been my favorite brewery since I first tried their beer. So it's, uh, yeah, there's the short version of, of my life story, I guess. That's super cool. and so interesting too. And it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting because for me, I was definitely more on the sports side. Like, you know, I, I never really dabbled in music at all. Right. And uh, other than listening to it, of course. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what did you, and I don't even know if you remember this, I don't know how old you were, but what was kind of the difference? You know, you said you realized, you know, sports weren't for you, but you kind of picked up a guitar and it just made sense in your mind. Like, was it just the feeling? Was it just, you found yourself, you know, gravitating towards it more and more and like, you know, feeling more, more like it, you know, it was more enjoyable as, and less of, you know, like a job as maybe like sports did. And the reason I ask is, you know, I'm very curious about like passions and people's passions and how they find it. So. Yeah, I think for me, it was uh, like, I bought my first electric guitar in grade eight. Um, and that was also, or no, yeah, I bought it in grade eight. And then it was in grade nine, I was playing Bantam football. Like I've football is, is my sport. I still love watching sports. Um, I just, and playing for fun but I just I've never been an athletic person at all really um like I said always enjoyed playing but just never really excelled I guess it's never been like a natural I'm not naturally coordinated or like athletic I guess um whereas I've been picking up tunes on uh like picking up melodies on a piano since like as soon as I was tall enough to touch the keys basically so it uh it was a it was a matter of just like I was better at it I guess so I, I had to work a little bit less at it the main the main thing that like did it for me I um I broke my wrists uh the first game I played in uh in football I broke my wrist um and the doctor was like no more football and I was like oh whatever I'm sick of running yeah anyways and then he was like and eh, no more guitar I was like fuck <laughs> like that kind of put it in perspective for me it was like cool I don't give a shit about sports I'm devastated I can't play my guitar for the next like month or whatever it was so. yeah very cool very interesting too you know um and you know the other one that I'm interested about is you know the trip to Toronto and you said you ended up not really doing a ton with comedy and mm -hmm. you know I'm curious if you know, like when you look back on it, have you been able to identify why that was of, you know, having going from that pull to, you know, move across the country to pursue comedy. And once you get there, you know, finding that, you know, you didn't put, you know, necessarily the effort or um, I don't know if it was effort or I don't know if it's just, you didn't feel like doing it. I don't know what it was, but, you know, have you reflected on that at all and figured out, you know, how you went from committing to moving there. And then once you got there, found that it wasn't really, you know, necessarily what you wanted to do. Yeah, I thought about that a lot. Um, I basically, I think in hindsight, I I just wanted a reason to, to leave small town central Alberta more than anything else. It wasn't like I had this dying passion to do comedy. Like I'd done it a couple of times and it was really fun. Um, and I've always just been like a, like not quite class clown, but like been a joker kind of. So um, I would, didn't have many other skills. So I was like, oh, I'll give this a shot, I guess. Um, and it, it largely was just, I wanted to leave small town, central Alberta. And like, don't get me wrong, I love my hometown. It's, I, I didn't appreciate it as much then as, as I do now, honestly, it was a wicked place to grow up, but it's still, it's still small town, central Alberta, kind of hyper conservative back ass words from, I think the way I think. Um, so I just wanted to 
And I've always just loved cities. Honestly, I remember uh, even coming to Calgary as a kid for like a weekend for for a, a tournament or something, or even just our parents would just take it to the city just to spend a, a weekend out of town kind of thing. I just always liked the energy that cities have. Um, and I had uh, two of my best friends lived uh, had had been out there for a little while already. They were uh, in two of the bands that that I was in. They're still playing music. Shout out to Jojo O in the woods. Give them a look up on the old Google box. Um, but they, they had a, they had a room for me out there. They had a, a, a house with a, a, a room with my own bathroom and to live with them and a couple other people and, um, kind of ease into it. They just kind of posed the opportunity and I'd been out to visit them already once. Um, I just loved it. Obviously you don't move immediately to a place after like one trip, but yeah. I kind of did anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I'd already had the, uh, I'd done stand up a handful of times. Um, I took a screenwriting course uh, at Grant McEwen in Edmonton um, and just kind of figured I would, I would go there and network and figure it out as I, as I went. Uh, and then I went there and like started to network and realized that <laughs> the comedy scene, and it's, it's not comedy scene in general. I think it's just this, the few encounters I had. It's kind of toxic. Like you, um, you talk like most comedians are are notoriously like either hate themselves or have some demons and like they use they use comedy as a way to uh to kind of cope with that and i just i in my head i was like the further i go down trying to be a comedian the i'm gonna end up trying to drive myself crazy to come up with material uh, and i was crazy enough already at the time i decided so i just uh just kind of that and i read the there's a book i forget who the author but it's a uh it's just a collection of interviews with comedy writers and comedians. And the one piece of advice, again, don't even remember which chapter it was and who the guy that said it was. Um, but it was like, what's one piece of advice you would give to people that want to be comedy writers? And, he, and it was, if you can do literally anything else on earth and be happy, do that, because this will destroy you. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but I had a, um, I, yeah, I had a, quite a bit of savings saved up from, I worked as a, a slot attendant at a casino. So basically if people would win over a certain amount of money, I would go and pay them cash instead of it paying out on their ticket. So it was, uh, the tips were stupid when the economy was still good and, and Red Deer still had a lot of oil business and stuff around it. Um, so I had a lot of money saved up that I didn't work that hard for. So it was like, cool, I'm just gonna go hang out in a fun city for a couple of years. So just kind of, liked the city and met some cool people and uh yeah decided to stick it out until i went broke basically <laughs> <laughs> um you know it's so interesting too that you bring that up of you know because i've definitely heard that that a lot of times you know comedians there is you know a, a tendency for them to have some demons or you know um you know just some like underlying things that they're struggling with and you know, it, it goes into something that I'm really passionate about, just in mental health in general. And, you know, like over the past year and a half, really diving into that world and, um, you know, facing my own demons and, you know, figuring out, you know, kind of why the way, why I am the way that I am and, you know, starting to look at those. And, you know, I always call them like bring them to light, right? Instead of like ignoring them and keeping them in the dark, bring them to light, looking at them, figuring them out, working through them. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what your you know, relationship with mental health is, um, and, you know, like, have you had any big wins or losses or, um, what's your experience with it? Um, depends on the day, honestly, I think that's probably a pretty common answer. Um, but it's, 
yeah, I mean, there's, I definitely fall into that category of, of being someone who, uh, I'm, I'm sure my, my comedic tendencies come from, you know, some kind of, uh, mental lack, I guess, or, or, or just a, a place of, yeah, I'm sure there's, there's some darkness that's just like, ha, huh, make people laugh and it'll be better kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely have had my struggles with mental health. It's been, uh, it's been a up, up and down battle for sure. Um, I remember being like at one point in my life with, uh, it was right before final exams in, in grade 12. Um, and right before, like we were recording our, our like album, I guess the, the band that was like the most serious that like put in some work into it, that album and stuff. It was, um, I had dumb like high school problems with, you know, girls and friends and stuff. And then, uh, the stress of high school exams and the stress of, um, of, you know, trying to record an album while you're doing all this other shit. I, I drove myself nuts. Like it got a little dark for a little while. I was a moody, a moody teen and then, uh, graduated and, you know, it was fine. Hindsight, I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> I was like shedding tears over the tiny amount of stress in the grand scheme, but you don't know when you're in high school. Um, and then it was, uh, it got, I think I've, I've always struggled a little bit with like weight and, and body image for sure. Um, I, uh, it's always a weird sentence, but I, I used to be this weight. Like I, I lost about 80 pounds at one point in my life. Um, which was, uh, it was literally a, a, a girl, <laughs> girl that I worked with that I like went to a bar with and liked, and we were like getting flirty and, and like we're, started kissing and stuff and then she stopped and I was like what's is everything okay and she's like well you're you're kind of fat and I was like cool a fuck you like yeah super super nice person obviously uh and then b honestly in hindsight it, it lit a fire under my ass I was like yeah she's right like as much as it was like a dick thing to say she was totally right and like that was a reason why I wasn't getting the attention from girls that you know I I wanted so I, uh, I, at one point I, I, a friend of mine is a personal trainer. Um, so I, I reached out to him and I, it was right before I moved to Toronto. Um, so I lost about 25, 30 pounds before I moved and then lost the rest, like while I was there. And then, um, it was also the first time that like, I'd been exercising regularly in my life since like when I was playing sports as a kid, basically, um, which was awesome, you know, moving to a new city is uh, a city of 100,000 to a city of 5 million was pretty overwhelming, even though I enjoyed it a lot, but it was definitely came with some stresses. So I turned that stress into, uh, into exercise, which was awesome. Um, so I was able to lose a bunch of weight and then kind of struggled with just the, how differently people um, were treating me strictly just because I look slightly different. Uh, and if you're noticing, or if this is uh, going on video, this light in my kitchen just flickers. It's a ghost. I'm pretty sure. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, but I, uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty messed up thing to just kind of think about, and 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 to go home, like to come home for Christmas or or in summer and see people I haven't seen in a couple of years, and just just to see how differently they treated me, just because I was. 80 pounds lighter. Like that was it. Everything else was totally the same. So it just kind of made me, uh, it, I mean, it was, it was nice. Like it was a hard thing to, uh, to be mad at, 
like all of a sudden I'm getting more positive attention from people. That's great. Um, but then the stress of, uh, of going back to school and, uh, and moving back across the country, all those stresses and uh, apathy and laziness on my part, I stopped working out. I stopped eating as healthy as I was. And I essentially drink beer for a living now and, and drink beer, you know, in brewmaster school, shocking, there's some beer involved. So I've gained, I've gained that way back. And um, to go from being one way and then literally just your physical appearance changing and then feeling like you have more opportunities and more positivity in your life just surrounding you because of the way you look and then going back to the way you were before and seeing people literally flip flop flip in, in the way that they like approach you and and uh, treat you that's a mind fuck that's it's absolutely something that uh that i struggle with for sure yeah. like I, I get that the way i get that's the way the world is i'm a little shallow myself everybody is um, but to experience it and, and overthink it, that's another, I, I overthink everything. So on a, on a, a dark day or like a high anxiety day, I, I'll one kind of bad, completely unrelated thing will, uh, will I'll start here. And then I have too much time by myself to think about it and, uh, and overanalyze it and everything. And then I end up here and yeah. mentally yeah. way low. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the main one. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that a ton. And um, first of all, just like, thank you for sharing that story and, you know, um, opening up about like my body image issues was, you know, one of the toughest things that I had to do. Right. And I think like, you know, I never necessarily had, you know, kind of the, a one moment that I can point to, but, you know, for me, it was, you know, started when I was very young. I remember in elementary school, like, you know, there are some kids that would bully me about like, you know, being chubby or being bigger or whatever it is. And, you know, like I internalized that for the rest of my life and, you know, not realizing how much that affected me. And because it started at such a young age, it just became truth in my mind. Right. And my mind mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I'm fat, I'm chubby, I'm whatever. Right. And became highly, highly critical of myself and um, like, especially my body and, you know, would analyze every inch of myself. And, you know, it was not until probably like this, again, this past year and a half that I started opening up to some people about it and like, you know, sharing things that I'd never shared with people before, you know, the idea that, you know, I remember all through junior high, whenever I was changing in the locker room, like sucking my stomach in, but, you know, trying to do it enough that other people wouldn't notice, but enough that it would, you know, like, make me appear smaller right mm -hmm. i remember like physically manifesting in me of um i remember i remember this a lot and i remember a picture of myself too of i would always sit kind of with my my shoulders hunched in right and it was because i was always um self-conscious about like my chest right and so i was like okay i'm gonna hide my chest by having my shoulders in and you know actually opening up about that and you know the, the one that I always go back to of like how crazy it is to think about it now but like this is the literal you know internal dialogue that I'm having with myself of like you know this shoulder is bigger than this other shoulder and as soon as anything would improve I would just move on to the next thing that I like didn't like about myself and then just you know it was a constant just a constant um state of just like picking out things that are in my mind quote unquote wrong with me right and I was just, you know, quickly too, of like, I've experienced two 
to, you know, fairly significant weight losses in my life. Like one was 40 pounds, one was 50 pounds. And for me, the craziest thing was that I realized I actually didn't feel any different about myself, even in those extremely like weight swing mm -hmm. that, you know, from the outside looking in, you can definitely tell the difference, but on the inside, I still see myself the exact same way. And that was really interesting to me. I'm sorry, totally. you're going to jump in there. No, I was, I was going to ask uh, about, yeah, I, I'm assuming there was some, some weight loss involved because I chubby is not a word anyone would use to describe you now. Um, was that like 50 and 40 separately? Like, were you like, you, did you lose like 90 pounds? No. So it was uh same sort of thing. Like I, I lost it all, gained it back and then lost it again. And gotcha. but interesting enough, it's both times it's been because of a, you know, somewhat major surgery. The first time was, uh, I had shoulder surgery and I just kind of realized I was like, I'm not going to be moving around. And like, this is when I was still playing football, you know, full time. So, you know, I was kind of working out all the time and it's like, I'm not going to be able to do anything for six months. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to blow up if I don't change things. Right. And so, uh, that's when I lost 50 pounds. And the last one is just like over the past, um, essentially like year. Um, and that, that's when I had my hip surgery and, uh, same sort of thing. Like, I know I'm not going to be moving a lot and it just kind of gave me that extra push. And, you know, it was when it was interesting when you were talking, cause you said that added stress actually let you work out more and that's how you get the stress out. But for me, it's like, I'm a stress eater for sure. And that's another one that I've had to look at is my relationship with food is I eat my feelings. And I say that jokingly a lot of times, but it's true. You right. totally do. I, I do it. I do it too. I, I flip flopped. Like I, I kind of had to essentially rewire my brain to be able to, to, to turn stress into exercise. Like I, I've tried a few times. Like I even, I had a trainer for a bit, another, a different friend of mine in Calgary here, who's a trainer. Um, and a, a friend who used to be a trainer. I like, we, she tried to, you know, build a plan for me, whatever. Like I've, I just, I haven't, been able to find that uh that spark again to like really flip-flop that that mental thing um i i definitely stress eat now there's no question um i'm glad i don't stress drink because i have endless beer at at my disposal at all times i'm i'm not a stress uh substance person which is i'm pretty thankful for but yeah i definitely i definitely stress eat and i and now like even if i you know even if we wanted to go to a gym right now we couldn't so that's not the best i, I do what i can at home to try to try to keep myself not exponentially growing. Like I've kind of plateaued at, at where I am. I hovered around the same weight for a little while. Um, I kind of, part of me is just, it's, I think there's a mental block to not be able to switch that switch back to stress to exercise because part of me is like, fuck you world. Like <laughs> I'm the same. Like part of it is, is uh is people that are going to gravitate towards me because of who I am are still going to gravitate towards me in, in this body that I'm in now. Um, and the people that are going to treat me the way I am because of, or treat me how, treat me well because of who I am are going to do the same. And the kind of people that are going to give me more attention or, or listen to me closer or laugh harder at my jokes be, because I'm, I'm better looking in their eyes. Fuck those people. That's kind of where, where my head is at. But at the same time, everybody is those people to some to some extent so i kind of i struggle with that a little bit and and i kind of someone shared a post yesterday that was uh it was like reasons to eat well and exercise other than body image and it was like 
increased mental stability, increased memory, increased all these other things. So it's like, you know what? I literally, I, part of it, part of me is like, I don't want to go through that process again, that really, really fucking hard process of losing, you know, even, even to lose 30 pounds is really hard. Like, I don't expect to lose 80 again, but to lose like 30 or 40 is still, it's still like a year of hard work. Um, part of me doesn't want to go through that process again to, you know, stick it to those people. But the other part of me is like, my brain will be infinitely happier with me if I do. So it's, uh, it's, it's an ongoing uh, battle, I guess, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, how, how much of a difference you notice in people treating you differently. And, you know, I kind of want to go back to, um, you know, that girl um, and just wondering, like, if you have done any reflection on that and like that, that moment of how shitty of a thing it was for her to say, and at the same time, it being kind of the thing that kicked you off onto the weight loss. Has there, was there any like internal struggle there or like looking back on it or like, have you been able to find the silver lining or, you know, just kind of taking it as it is? Like, what's, what are your thoughts around that at all? If, if you've reflected on it? Oh yeah. I, I reflect on everything. So I, uh, the best part of it is I still have her on Facebook and she's an anti-vaxxer and a Trump supporter. So at the end of the day, she's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. So I don't really care what her opinion is. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, um, I definitely sometimes if I, I even, I think I never actually thought about it this way, but I think subconsciously I, I kind of try to think back to that moment because she was right at the end of the day. Like, yeah, it was a rude thing to say, but she was totally right. And that's, that's how people tend to think is like, I'm, and she was, she was very attractive and really good shape. So for her to, to potentially date or, or, you know, to have people she knows see us kissing in a bar and I'm this like chubby dude, that's a status inequality to her. And I think that's, that's really important to a lot of people. Um, so, I, and I, I think I try to think back to that, not because I really want to replay that lovely moment in my life, but because uh, it just kind of reminds me that, yeah, that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how the vast majority of, of people think. So I definitely, um, part of me like wants to thank her for lighting a fire under my ass when she did. Cause like I'd, and even then I'd had a, I'd had a couple like rec center memberships and stuff. I'd, I'd go to the gym like once every other month kind of thing. Like I'd, or I'd, or I'd go for a week and then not go for two months kind of thing. Like I'd, I'd been dabbling, my toes were wet in the fitness pool. Um, but it was, it was her, <laughs> shitty comment that really made me like kind of the tipping point that was just like, yeah, you know what? Screw this. Like I don't deserve to be treated like this. Um, and then kind of, yeah, it, it totally low fire. But at the same time, I'm pretty happy that I get to, I usually I would like unfollow somebody like that on Facebook. That's like spreading misinformation and, and toxicity, like with every single one of her posts, but it just kind of like part of me is just happy that she's such an idiot because it, it makes her words like mean way less to me, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, like for me, just thinking on it right now, it's almost the idea of, you know, it, it doesn't make it right what she did, but you can still make peace with what it is. Right. Totally. You know, making peace with it is different from saying that it's okay or that it's right. Um, you know, really it, as I've kind of 
dove more into like, you know, my struggles with it and just kind of the whole idea of body image, you know, one of the things that can comes to mind for me is like, I would always look at, you know, these fitness models, like guys and girls. And like, you know, whenever I'd hear about something of like, you know, them talking about body image or whatever it might be, um, you know, I would almost be like, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You're not allowed to talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if that you look exactly like I want to look, or you look like exactly what, you know, I find, you know, would be attractive or like, you know, physically pleasing, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a lot of like internal thinking and reflection on that and being like, why is that? And for me, what I came to realize, I'm just curious what you think of this is, you know, the fact that like, you know, body image is, you know, it's not how you actually look, but it's how you feel about the way that you look. I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I 100% that's, that's a a great way to put it. It's, um, I I kind of, it took me a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in, in the skin that I'm in now, which is another reason why I, uh, I, I think I haven't really been able to force myself to go back to the gym is, I, um, I kind of, I, I would stress out so, so much about the way that I look. Um, and I was, I was seeing someone, um, like a year, like two years ago, I guess, when I kind of first moved to Calgary. Um, and I was, I was pretty much what I am now. I'm a little heavier now than I was, but not by much. Um, and she didn't give a fuck. She was, uh, she was in really good shape. She was super attractive. She was, uh, I would, I would kind of vent to her about, you know, why I, how, how I felt shitty about not being able to, uh, to find that fifth gear and, and, you know, try to get healthy again. Um, but at the same time, I had someone who, whose opinion I really, really valued, who I really wanted to feel attractive to, and she was super attracted to me. So it really didn't, um, it, it kind of made me a little bit more comfortable with, uh, with my, I don't know, but chubbiness, I guess. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it, I, I put too much stake. I think everybody does a little bit in like how other people see you. Yeah. I tend to do that. I, everybody does that. I think, um, until you kind of, you know, when you find someone that, that, uh, doesn't really care, you know, sees past the, the weight, I guess, and just sees who you are as a person. Like, I'm, I'm very comfortable with who I am as a human being. It's, uh, and I'm, I, I'd rather, I'd rather fucking eat a burger and have a beer than, than stress and drive myself crazy over the way, uh, over what other people think about me. Like I'm not having burgers and beers every day, but it's, uh, I, I, the stress of, of worrying about it versus the, uh, the reward of just enjoying the things you like just to me isn't worth it, I guess. Sure. There's certainly days when I'm not able to remind myself that and I feel like shit about it, but there's uh, the, the majority of days I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the skin I'm in for sure. I love that. And, you know, I have an, an interesting one for you just to see if, if you have anything that you've experienced like this. And for me, like, you know, over the past year, I've, I decided not to really weigh myself and, you know, because I would get too attached to the number. And um, so I never did it. And it was interesting though, over the, like a couple times I have, and I step on the scale and it's, it's weird where my mind automatically goes like, you're not allowed to be that weight. Like you need to eat more because you know, you're no longer fulfilling the story that I told about myself. 
And so for me, it was like stepping on that scale is actually a really negative thing. And it was way better when it was just like, you know, I, I'm happy with the way that I look. I don't care about the number. And it was just such an interesting thing where, you know, something that could be seen as positive and that most people have no problem with for me was very detrimental and it would set me off of just like, oh shit, I, I'm going to go eat. You know what now? Like I'm going to go have burgers five days in a row or I'm going to go have a bunch <laughs> of beer or whatever it is. And, you know, having to really catch myself on that. I'm just curious if you had any like unique experiences like that, that you found were either like triggers or just interesting in your mind. Yeah. I remember, um, so I, we had a scale, we never had a scale in my house growing up. So it was, it wasn't something I did regularly at all. Um, I'd never owned a scale. Um, the gym I had, the gym I went to obviously had a scale in the bathroom because gyms want to make you feel terrible at yourself. So you keep coming back to the gym, um, or to track your progress or whatever. <laughs> it depends on my mood that day when I'm wearing yeah. myself. Um, so I would, I would check in on there, but I would, I would only weigh myself on, uh, on days that I was working out. So it was, um, and that was when I was working out, you know, minimum three times a week. So it was, uh, it was, it was shitty at first to kind of, to put in some work and be like, Oh, nothing's changed. That sucks. And then once things do start changing and you see that number, like once you get to a certain point and your body's metabolism up is up, um, and you know, you're, you're getting more coordinated and getting better at lifting or whatever, like the, the numbers drops pretty substantially once you start, once you reach that really hard point. So it was kind of nice, honestly, to, uh, to see that and see that, see the difference and see the, the changes kind of paying off. Um, and then, well, then, yeah, I kind of, I got to a point in Toronto. Um, I never, I lived really close to my gym, so I didn't really go in the change room. I would just like put on sweats over my gym shorts and walk over kind of thing. And I never had a scale. So I would, uh, I would work out somewhat, not as frequently as like, you know, at least three hours a week, but you know, a couple times a week for, you know, what, however long. Um, but I was still active and I was still eating healthy. Um, and a friend of mine had a scale in his, in his condo in, in, uh, in Toronto. And I went and I weighed myself on his once. And I was like, I saw the number and I was like, Oh, when was the last time you calibrated your scale? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, there's no way I'm like 180 pounds. He's like, well, yeah, like there is I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've, I've never been under like one or I think it was lower. It was like 174 or something. I was like, I've never been under, I haven't been this weight since I was like a, a, in high school, like a, a, before that probably. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way this is right. And he's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, oh shit. Like <laughs> it was part of me was like stoked, but part of me was like, I, is this healthy? Like yeah. I, I like, I, I thought about, I was, yeah, I, mostly I was stoked because that was below my goal weight. My goal weight was 190 when I was, I was about 250 and then my goal weight was 190. And then uh, I dropped down, I hovered around 250, 255 kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, that was kind of an eye opener in mostly a good way, but also like, oh shit, like, am I, am I eating still? Yeah. Check yourself. Yeah. Um, and then I actually, same thing, like my, my parents have a scale now. So anytime I'm, I'm there still in the comb. So anytime I was, I'm home, I'll, I'll check in and then, but it's like, I'll go two months without stepping on a scale. And usually it's around the same, but over the last, uh, the last few months, it's, it's higher than I've ever seen that number before. So that, that fucks with me a little bit. So I actually, I bought a scale for the first time just to, uh, just to try to keep myself in check, I guess, but I I'll step on it like once a week kind of thing tops. 
Um, and then, yeah, I, a part of me wants to get into weighing myself every day, um, just to kind of get that motivator. Like I, in my head, that number is higher than I want it to be. Part of me doesn't want to become obsessed with it because I know I've, I know that feeling too. And I, I resonate with what you said for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely an interesting relationship with the old weigh machine. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And you know, I'm such a big fan of essentially, you know, like figuring out what works for you. Right. And it's like, just because this works for somebody else doesn't necessarily mean that it works for you. And it's like, you know, somebody might want to do it every day and have a good relationship and it, that keeps them accountable. And then for someone like me, I obsess over it. Right. And so that's why I'm very much just like, you know, figure out and find out what actually works for you. Um, and then do that. Right. Cause that's usually what's most sustainable. Um, right. You know, we're, we're coming to the end here, but you know, a topic that I do want to touch on quickly, um, kind of going way back, but you know, you talking about the fact that you were, um, you know, going to school to become a brewmaster and then realizing that you ultimately didn't want to make beer, but you still really loved the industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that led to you eventually becoming a rep and, you know, why I like that is one, I find that a lot of people get stuck with like, you know, how this is supposed to look right. Of like, well, you know, I, I decided I wanted to be a brewmaster and that's, you know, what you're supposed to go do. And then once you actually get there, you know, realizing it's not for you, um, but having that flexibility and almost playing in that gray zone of like, okay, just because I don't want to be a brewmaster doesn't mean that, you know, I hate the industry. I don't want to be a part of the industry. Or I can't be a part of the industry and, um, you know, kind of pivoting and still finding something that, you know, was within the same field, but something that you enjoyed a lot more. And just, you know, maybe how, how you came to that decision and what made you realize it. And um, yeah, just kind of, you know, how, how you navigated that. And of, of instead of completely walking away from it, you know, you found where you fit within uh, the industry. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I kind of realized partway through um, the first year of, of school that, uh, that I, I liked the, I, I knew I liked the industry. I knew I liked craft beer. Like even when I was a kid or a kid, you know, started drink when I started drinking beer. Yeah. was basically a kid. Um, I would, I, I thought I didn't like beer. Cause I'd, I try, I, you know, I'd have one, one of my dad's Coors lights or I'd have a Budweiser at a bar and I'd be like, this sucks. Like, give me, give me a rum, give me something that is not gross. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was as much as like Keith's isn't an IPA. It was it was my kind of gateway into actual IPAs, um, and then I Guinness was my gateway into dark beer. And I just kind of fell in love with like, oh, like this is really good. Yeah. Um, and then I when I lived in Toronto, um, how many times can I say Toronto in a podcast, Jared? I um, the liquor stores are the, the liquor store system sucks there. Like you can't on on most days get beer from a store past. Uh, 9 or 10 p.m. Okay. and on Sundays it's past 5 or 6 p.m. so it honestly it was um, living living close to a brewery that did off sales that really got me into craft beer is when I, I discovered um, like growler fills that was you know I can't get beer at the store but if I if I biked out of this brewery I can fill a growler and I was like oh cool how many other of these places are are near me and then I kind of just just fell in love with the uh, the kind of the you know, the independent entrepreneurial spirit and like the kind of the, the artisticness that comes with, with building a brand and, and crafting these different beers. Like I fell in love with, with that way more than I, I liked the idea of actually like 
working in a brewery and making beer. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of saw where the beer industry in Toronto or in Ontario in general and Quebec was uh, versus it had kind of just, just started in, in Alberta. Um, the first time I came home from Christmas is uh, the first time I went to any brewery in Alberta, which was Blind Man. Um, my, I used to hang out with the same friends around Christmas every, every, uh, uh, and I swear I am building up to answer your question, but <laughs> I, uh, every year around Christmas, we would, we would kind of bar hop and go bowling. Cause that's all there is to do in the calm, go to the three bars and then go bowling. Um, and then they were like, yeah, we're going to go to, we're going to go to uglies and then we're going to go to the brewery and then we're going to go to this bar. And then we're going to go bowling. I was like, what, there's a freaking brewery here. So then I, um, yeah, that was the first time I tried Blind Man and, and toured it and stuff. And then kind of, kind of realized that, oh, like all this beer scene that's happening in, in Ontario is like being born here right now. And there's, there's a pretty cool opportunity to get into something that's I thought was about to explode. I mean, it wasn't hard to see that it was about to explode. Um, so I kind of, like I said, applied, got in, in my head, I've always, and part of me still does, even though 2020 kind of scared me away from it. Um, but part of me still wants to open a bar slash music venue, even though, uh, I, I don't think I ever will. Cause it's, it's, it, it harkens back to, uh, meeting comedians and seeing how kind of crazy and stressed they all are look at every bar owner, you know, right now, I, I don't, I, I love them all, but I don't want to be in their shoes yeah. um, at all. Um, so, and then I kind of realized that like they, they kind of tell you at olds that they're going to teach you everything in the industry from brewing to sales to everything else, including running a brew pub. And they, we spent like half an hour one day talking about running a brew pub. So I was like, cool. Like, that's um that's not going to help me at all. Uh, it was way more focused on the beer and the brewing, which is awesome. Um, but I, I, I it comes back to my mind doesn't naturally take to to brewing. Um, I've never really been a chef. Um, I you know I can cook at home and whatever, but I cook on my own pace and and play around and stuff. Uh, I'm a slow moving person just in general, so it's like to to just make beer is fine, but to um, to make beer while, while you're brewing, which is, you know, anywhere from like a five to eight hour process minimum, really, um, five minimum, um, while you're brewing, you're, you're transferring this beer from this tank to another, and you're cleaning this tank as soon as that's done. And you have to have this done by the time you brew. And then you have to, it, it was just, it was doing a lot of things physically at once and a lot of like mechanical troubleshooting. Yeah. Um, brewing is, is 90% cleaning and like 10% brewing, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, I had just been a dishwasher for like a year and a half. So I was, I was very, very over cleaning. It, it yeah. felt like a, like you're warehousing and doing like, and you're seeing the same four or five faces in the back of a brewery every single day. Um, whereas I'd, I'd, be, I'd worked customer service most of my life. I'd worked a lot of retail and, um, and worked in kitchens where tons of like big kitchens where a lot of people are coming, going at all times kind of thing. Um, and honestly, part of it is sales pays a lot better than, uh, than making beer does for sure. Unless you're owning your brewery or you're like a, a head brewmaster somewhere, which takes a long time to work up to. Um, it's not really something that you're ever going to own a house or be able to support a family with yeah there's perks you get free beer for life that's great um but you get those same perks and can make a lot more money doing sales and honestly like shocker i like to talk so it's uh <laughs> it's i'd rather be 
like with people and around people. And, you know, I, a work day for me literally can be, you know, I ha might have a couple meetings or I will have a few meetings and stop in at this store, stop in at this store, do whatever. Um, but also it's, it's meeting new people and spending time in bars and building relationships with people. And, you know, it's half of being a sales rep, it's just kind of making, making friends and then trying to get those friends to sell your beer really. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been able to grow into, you know, organizing, um, you know, festivals or, or events and charity events and doing collaborations with other breweries and just kind of being part of the community. That's, that's what I loved about the craft beer industry. It wasn't the, hanging out in, in the back of a brewery playing with stainless steel and chemicals all day. So that it was kind of that. I, I honestly, I thought about dropping out of the program when I kind of realized that. Um, and then it was, I had a conversation with, uh, with uh, one of my professors there who kind of, I, at the end of the year, I was like, I'll be honest, Jordan, Jordan Ramey. Hi. Um, I'll be honest, Jordan. I'm kind of debating not coming back next year because half of next year is dedicated to um, perfecting a beer recipe and doing a project based around a brewery that you would hypothetically open. Yeah. And I don't want to do either of those things. So you tell me why I should come back. Yeah. And he was basically, basically asked me what I wanted to do. And I told him, you know, something with people in the community, sales, events, marketing, whatever. He's like, cool, we'll just switch your final project to be about that instead. Like, cool. and I was like, okay, rad. Like it was, it was kind of, it was that conversation. And then, uh, a conversation with with the taproom manager at the uh, the brewery I was working at in Red Deer too. She was a friend first, um, but was the was the taproom manager there, my friend Lisa. And I just kind of was having a shitty day, invented and told her I was debating not coming back. And she kind of talked, calmed me down a little bit and was just like, dude, finish it. Like you, no one's going to hire you at all if you don't so that you finish this. Like at least, even if you're not going to do what the, program really really teaches you to do for the most part it's still going to show somebody that like you can commit to something and finish it so she kind of lit a fire under my ass to to still finish it out and just and and jordan helped me kind of adapt and then um yeah kind of i put on a couple pretty successful uh events while i was part of the program that uh kind of i guess made people know who i am i guess and yeah. i went to events and and you know i i talked to anybody so um I, yeah, I just, that ended up opening up the opportunity that I got uh, with Blind Man. Awesome. No, I love that story. And, uh, you know, it's always, I always love hearing how people got to where they are now, right? And um, so the journey. You, the journey, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, as we wrap up here, um, I'm just curious, you know, is there, uh, is there anything we didn't get to um, that you want to talk about or um, anything like that? um no i don't think so man i uh i mean i could talk all day about whatever so I, i'm not sure if you two returning guests but this 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 flew by I'd, I'd come back and talk about other stuff if you want but yeah i awesome. uh nothing nothing i'm dying to to get off my chest or anything no awesome no i'd love that it was it flew by for me too it's crazy i looked down i was like holy shit like we're almost done <laughs> so, um yeah. you know where would be the best place for people to connect with you um if they're curious uh, probably, probably Instagram. Okay. Um, I'm just at Trevor W J A Y T R E V O R, uh, W J A Y on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, if anyone wants my email, they can ask for it there, I guess. Awesome. Sounds good. I'll, uh, make sure I put that in the notes and uh, final question for you is, mm -hmm. um, what does this next phase of your journey look like? 
Mm, that's a tough question. And uh, I keep wanting to say 2020, but that's a really tough question in, in 2021 even. Um, I think there's, um, assuming the world's going to get a little bit back to normal at some point, um, that's really when I kind of picturing the future, it's, it's, it's a future where things aren't so dooming all the time. Yeah. Um, some travel for sure. Um, we were, I was supposed to be in, uh, in the States and Ontario, um, last year to, to do some traveling kind of sales trips, I guess. So, okay. um, it's fun, fun sales trips and, uh, work trips with some pleasure involved for sure. Um, yeah, work-wise, it's that. Uh, I want to start playing a lot more music. I've been obviously had a lot of downtime the last few months and, and yeah. going forward. Um, so there's there's going to be a lot a lot more music in my life is kind of the main thing I want to work towards. Whether that's um, I don't I'm not going to start like a, a band that I think is going to you know be a full time thing again. That's yeah. uh, a road I'm probably not going down. I would uh, for fun for sure. But uh, I've been I've been playing a lot of. Uh, like I bought a, a, a drum kit, like an electric drum kit as well. So I've been playing drums, bass and guitar and piano. And I kind of want to like be writing and recording, whether it's my own covers or my own songs where I'm just, I'm just playing everything. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's on the horizon, I think here. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough to look forward uh, right now, for sure, with the way the world is right now. But it's, uh, I, I see myself in the, the with the same company, the same um, title, I guess, uh, with some more uh, more responsibilities and more facets to it as the as things progress. But uh, for the most part, drinking beer, making music. <laughs> awesome! Um, thanks again for doing this. Uh, had an amazing conversation. We'll definitely have to get you on again soon. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll connect uh, we'll connect soon. Okay. Sounds great, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear any feedback that you have through Instagram at Jared Salikin or by email jared at jaredsalikin.com as well as it really would mean the world to me if you liked and subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much.